a few people. Please join us back. It's so good to see you all. God is good? And all the time? Yeah, we, we, amen. We could get a bit Pentecostal sometime. I think the only challenge we have is that people who are supposed to be fasting are still at the tea. This is this. <laughs> so, uh, if this is your first time here, if you just came in, I'm Edgar King, I'm the lead pastor. Uh, one thing I just want to reiterate uh, that uh, um, Lydia mentioned, uh, please remember to, uh, as you bring gifts to the house of the Lord, please remember to also bring uh, gifts in, in terms of food, if you can. I've seen butternut today, that's exciting. Uh, when you go to the store, sometimes you, you, you buy something and they give you one extra. Uh, would love you to bless a family with that extra. Sometimes when you have had a harvest, uh, you probably have an extra uh, bunch of vegetables. Would love for you to bring it uh, to the church so that some families that have struggled through the week can have. So that there will be plenty in God's house. So, we are at the end of a series that we've been doing since the year started. And you know, uh, one of the things we've kept saying is that as the year begins, there's always freshness. Everybody's jumping in. Let's start. Let's start. Let's make New Year's resolutions. I'll change this. I'll change that. And uh, one thing I've kept repeating is that every time a year is ending... I know it sounds so silly, but that means one just, sorry, every time a year begins, it means one just ended. And the reality about the end of years, the end of every year, people finish with, with a bit of unresolved feelings sometimes. There's often a bit of regret, you know? Uh, you probably never got to uh, uh, visit your parents as often as you, as you hoped. I didn't visit my dad as often as I wanted to. Uh, I didn't call my family as often as I promised myself I would. I have, I have trouble with phone calls, uh, and then I ran out of money for counseling, so they didn't get there. But, you know, uh, uh, some are small like that, but others are so big. Others, other, regret, other decisions you made changed and impacted your life so greatly that you're still dealing with the effect of that. Some regrets are so big and so life-changing. Some of you finished the year saying, what was I thinking? 
Some of you finished the year asking yourself that question. What was I thinking? Some of you finished the year saying, I was such a fool. How could I have done that? Now, the hope uh, of the series we just did was to get ahead of the curve. Yeah? Uh, this year will also come to an end. January is over, and this is the first year I don't feel like it's been 60 days of January, right? Uh, January is over, which means it's just 11 more months to hopefully us saying I was wiser. I have grown wiser instead of regret and saying what was I thinking. So we want to get ahead of that curve. We want to equip us with better ways of making decisions because we are writing our lives story one decision at a time. My hope for you, I know people invite people to this church and they go, oh my word, the church is so easy, no one, no one wants anything from you, I want something for you. <laughs> I've never said it out loud yet, there, there, is, there is a truth, I want something for you. And one of the things I want for you this year is when, when you come to the end of the year, where, if you will say I have grown wiser, it will be because you've made decisions better, not out of regret. You know when people are regretting something, they go, oh, I am wiser now. Not necessarily. You are either really wise or not. And so who is a wise person? People who know that tomorrow is connected today. That December is connected to January. Your story at the end of this year is connected to how you begin today. The book of Proverbs, as I've said every time this uh, last few weeks, divides people into four. One is called the fool. He starts with the simple. Let's start there. There's someone he calls the simple. There's another he calls the fool. There's another he calls the scoffer. And there's another he calls the wise person. The simple are unwise. But the, the, the problem with them is lack of experience. They just don't know how to do it. They just don't know that life goes like this. And so when, when they experience something, they learn. They go, ah. Oh. One example I keep giving is if... if if you have a little child and they want to touch a hot stove, they're not, they're not stupid. They just don't know, right? And so when they touch a hot stove, you go, hmm, maybe. Don't touch it when it's red. Then there's the fool. The problem with the fool is that they know what is wise. They know what should be done, but they ignore it anyway. The fool knows what to do, but they ignore it anyway. Now, here is, here is something I need to warn you. The only medicine, the only cure for the fool is tragedy. Because they keep doing what they know they shouldn't do, and it is until tragedy hits them that they have a chance to change. Now, the problem, the reason I'm warning you is that those who get hurt most are those around them. Keep hanging around fools, and when their tragedy comes, you will be collateral damage. Fools know what is right but they ignore it anyway. Then there's this person called a scoffer. It's this person with no regard or respect for God and people. So you think you're better than me. Stop pretending you're so saved. Oh, what will God do? The, uh, the scoffer, the scoffer uh, uh, throws disrespect at people and at God. Be careful. Run away from such people. Run away from such people. Then there's the wise person. The wise person knows a couple of things. The wise person knows that tomorrow is connected to today. The wise person knows that the beginning of wisdom is fearing the Lord. Scripture says it's a fool who says in his heart that there is no God. 
the wise person knows that wisdom begins with fearing the Lord. The other thing the wise person does is that they learn to question their decision-making. They don't just make decisions blind. They learn to question their decision-making. But it's not just questioning. They ask good questions because you can ask bad questions. Bad questions lead to bad answers. They ask good questions. They give themselves honest answers, and then they actually act on those answers they've given themselves. So we started with a group of questions. The first questions I, in, I invited us to ask ourselves is, am I being honest with myself, really? The reality is we deceive ourselves the most. There's a salesperson in you who sold you to every bad decision you ever made. They told you, it's a great idea. I think you need this. And then when your bank was reading red, you're like, I really didn't need it. There's a salesperson in each one of us. So you better learn to ask yourself the question, am I being honest with myself, really? Really, really, really? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Then uh, the week after that, we talked about the second question. Is this the story I want to tell? There are options before you every decision you make. And every yes you make means you're saying no to another thing, right? The option that you're picking, is that the one you want part of your life story? When you sit with your children when, when they're older and they're asking, so how did you actually meet dad? Well, let me tell you. Um, anyway, let's not get into such stories because we don't have time today. Uh, so, and then the third question was what Mesa talked about yesterday. And the question was, is there a tension about this decision that demands my attention? Because sometimes everything ticks the box, but something in you remains unsettled. Don't ignore that. Let it disturb you a little longer until you figure out what is happening, until you resolve the tension. It might still be the best decision to make, but as long as there's tension about an option, sit with it a little longer. Now today, I want to bring us to another question, the final one that we'll do in this year. And the question is, is this wise for me to do? Did you know that a decision can be both wrong and unwise at the same time? Uh, sorry, a decision can be both not wrong and unwise at the same time. A decision can be not wrong and unwise at the same time. I bet if you're like me, some of your worst decisions, some of your wor biggest regrets... When preceded by deciding to do the wrong thing, they are preceded by a series of not wise decisions. If you just think about it, the way you ended up where you ended up uh, at your worst regret, you didn't leave the house going, this day I am blowing it up. But you made a series of unwise decisions that led to that one. You know? The last time you hang out with a group of friends and everybody was being merry and happy, the music was blasting, and everybody's just buying one more drink, and you thought, I feel kind of okay. I think I can get one more. What is wrong with one more? And then uh, the morning after, you were in a fight with your spouse because you spent all the school fee money, or you were in, your, in a fight with your parents because you didn't go home, because you couldn't go home because you were so wasted, um, uh, and, and 
you know what? You didn't start with the wrong decision. You started with a series of unwise decisions. It probably wasn't wrong hanging out with your friends. The first one or the second one probably wasn't wrong, but it kept going, I, is, it, is it wrong to have one more? Do you remember when, when, when you texted late in the night and you were tired? You, you see, when we're tired, our capacity, our capacity for self-control is much lower. And, then, uh, uh, and, and they, had, they had just asked an innocent question. What is wrong with just responding to an innocent question like, hey, what time is church tomorrow? Right? And you're like, yeah, I, I, I could respond to this. What is wrong with supporting a friend when they're in need? So I'm just going to respond to this. And you were tired and it became a habit. And you kept telling yourself, I'm just supporting them. I'm just supporting them. And then you became emotionally entangled and it led to the affair that you regret to this day. Or what uh, uh, Will Smith's wife, I think is a wife, calls an entanglement. It wasn't an affair, it was an entanglement. What, what usually leads to the entanglement isn't, oh, today I am deciding to find me an entanglement that will destroy this marriage. No, usually it's one unwise decision after another. Here is a group of assumptions we often make. If it is not wrong, it's okay to do it. If it is not immoral, it's acceptable. If it is not illegal, it's permissible. If it's permissible, it's beneficial. If it's not sinful, it's okay. Now, as I read this, I imagine that in you, you're laughing because you can remember the last time you lied to yourself like this. And the second thing that might be happening is a bit of anger because you're like, that's such terrible reasoning. Because if we're very honest with ourselves, that bar is too low. We would never have that bar. That, that wouldn't be the bar you set for your kids. That wouldn't be the bar you set for your spouse. That wouldn't be the bar you set for your uh, girlfriend or boyfriend. That wouldn't be the bar you set for your pastor. Right? You'd never let them live a life of saying, well, if it's not wrong, it's okay. Somehow, deep inside us, we know that there's something wrong with that line of reasoning, yet we often tell ourselves that. We often go, I guess it's okay. You know, imagine you have a 10-year-old kid or a cousin, um, uh, and you deeply love them, or a, or a sibling, and, you know, every, every, uh, every estate, every village has this corner where, um, uh, when we were growing up, we'd call it the jobless corner, but it's such a terrible word because joblessness is a real problem in our country. Uh, but there's always this corner where everything shady happens, right? That corner, biz. When, imagine, biz, right? Imagine a 10 year old kid telling you, I'm just going to go hang out at the biz. I promise I, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to smoke anything, I'm not going to do anything, I'm just going to hang out. What would you say? Don't do it, right? You'd probably lock them up in the house. Well, with you inside. Don't lock 10-year-old kids and go. But, but the thing is, your problem is in that decision to just sit somewhere. You can tell where they're heading to, right? We know that this idea of asking ourselves, 
eh, telling ourselves, if it's not wrong, it's okay, is warped. There's something wrong with it. The problem with it is that it leads us to the next phase in the, in the slippery slope, where we start telling ourselves, how far above the line can I go without getting caught? Like, how far? How immoral can I get <laughs> without severe consequences? Like, how, how bad can I get? Good girl gone bad. Oh, good boy. How, how bad can I be and still be okay? How much can I get away with? Christians often ask this question in different ways. How close to sin can I get without necessarily sinning? Like, how... In what vicinity of this thing can I get and just be, be like with people, you know, be with the boys, be with the girls? How can I get close to this without sinning? I think I can still drive. I think one more is okay. I think I can still drive. Can I just come really close to the line? So we start by telling ourselves, I think it's okay, nothing wrong with that. And then we head over to this place of, um, maybe just a little over the line, I'll be okay. The problem with that group, of, uh, that group of reasoning is it leads to only one question. And the question is the one we've been looking at all this week. What was I thinking? After you've gone over the line, you wake up the next morning and you go, what was I thinking? You go over the line, you wake up the next morning, what was I doing here? You go over the line, you wake up the next morning, what am I going to tell my parents? What am I going to tell my spouse? How will I ever tell my kids about this? See, the problem with, with, the, with the question of um, how far can I get is that it eliminates margin for error. So, when you have margin, you can make mistakes, right? But every not wrong decision but unwise one you make eliminates margin. Every not wrong decision but unwise you make eliminates margin. Every not wrong decision but unwise one eliminates margin. And soon enough, you're that close to the edge. And every not wrong decision but unwise eliminates margin. Oh, don't. It didn't break. I have been called dramatic. That's a first. I've been called dramatic before. Some of the issues I'm still working through. <laughs> so, just sidebar. <laughs> you know, uh, I was traveling towards the end of the year, and I was speaking somewhere, and, um, and I was talking about how, what following Jesus looks like in different phases of our lives. And I mentioned the married, those who are traveling, those who are working, the new mothers. Not that I, you know, I'm just saying, hey, every season there's a way to follow Jesus, even if you're single, right? And then this, this lady comes towards me and says, so you've mentioned being single three times. I'm like, no, no, I haven't. I, I actually haven't. And uh, actually turns out, that morning, I'd been praying about it. Not, I wasn't like, God, give me it. No, it wasn't that, please. But I was just, you know, the same way you guys pray for your marriages, I, I pray for my singlehood. Uh, so then it hit me as, as, we were, <laughs> as we were blessing families today, and I prayed for single people. I was just like, oh, someone's going to think I'm just like really praying for myself. I am too, but it's, it wasn't that. Okay. Let's move on. So... <laughs> 
So every not wrong but unwise decision you make eliminates margin, and soon enough, you don't have anywhere to go. This, this series has had one resounding refrain, and that is pause. Pause, right? Pause and think. Pause and ask. Pause, pause. But you see, when you're, sometimes we're so close to the margin, we actually cannot pause. Because we've not made wrong decisions, we've made, right, we've made un, unwise decisions. Yeah? So maybe it's better to ask a different question. Is this the wise thing for me to do? Is this the wise thing for me to do? Because sometimes a decision can be not wrong, but unwise at the same time. And all your biggest regrets, I bet you most of them, were preceded with a series of not wrong but unwise decisions. And then you got so close to the edge, there was no room to navigate. The other thing is, the reality is something that is wise for me or okay for me might be totally unwise for you. We, we have somewhat very different lives. So just because, you know, parents ask, you know, hey, if you see your friends just jumping over a cliff, will you also do it? <laughs> and like, yeah, because we have different lives. But sometimes like, yeah, maybe they know something about the bear that's coming. Anyway, but you know, something might be okay for me, but totally unwise for you. Something might be okay for, for your sibling, but totally unwise for you. Something might be okay for that marriage, but totally unwise for yours. You're not the same. You have different histories. You have different current situations. You have different healing to go through. You're, you're headed into a different future. So the question is, what is the wise thing for me to do? Not what is wrong or right. Ephesians 5, 15 to 17. Be very careful. This is a, a, a church planter, an apostle called Paul. He's writing to one of the churches that grew up out of his ministry with Jesus, he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity <clears throat> because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand the Lord's will. Paul isn't even warning against sin. Now, just to give us context, yes, he's right at this point in 5 and 6, he's warning the church in Ephesus against living like the world. Because sometimes people in the church live the very same lives people in the world are living. And so Paul is going, hey, you can't live like this. You can't live like this. You have been redeemed. And at this point now he's telling them, hey, so therefore, after making all that argument, be very careful how you live, not as unwise but wise, making the most of every opportunity. For some reason, Paul, Paul is telling them, some of the sin decisions you've made are because they were preceded by living unwisely. You didn't start off saying, oh, I'm going to, Lord, how could I sin this morning? Well, sometimes we do that, right? Let's be honest. But you often started going, oh, God is good. And then in the evening, I hope you still love me, Lord. <laughs> what was I thinking? So Paul says, if you want Different results. Live your life not as unwise, but wise, making the most of all, uh, making the most of the time. And, and he also says, "Do not be fools." Remember the four the four groups of people. A fool is the person who knows what to do but ignores it anyway. Do not be fools. 
you know what you ought to do. And one of the things you ought to do is ask yourself the question, is this wise for me? And that idea, redeeming the time, making the most of every opportunity. Essentially, if we think about it, regret is wishing we'd go back in time and redeem that moment, right? Every time we're regretting something, we wish we'd go back in time and make a different decision. And Paul is going, yep, I know how you could redeem your life. I know how you could redeem your time. And where you see time, I want you to cue life because your your life is time spent. I know how you could redeem your life, and this is how you do it. Live wisely. That is the only way you will be able to redeem your time. It seems that, that redeeming time isn't by going backwards, because we couldn't, is by living wisely forward. And so, uh, 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 he continues to warn us, knowing that the, 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 the times are evil, that the world is evil. Here's the thing, nothing in our culture, nothing in our culture will empower you to follow Jesus. Think about it. Our culture always says, More, not less. Look at all the ads we have on TV. It's never about, oh, buy less of this. It's like, hey, you can get more of this. You can get one more car. You could buy three burgers for this much. It's always more, not less. Our culture always says, now, not later. Oh, you only live once. Who knows what tomorrow holds? If you don't love me now, don't love me later. No, that's a different theologian. He's no good. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I need to take a break. I'm traveling today. I'm excited. (laughs) Our culture always says now, not later. Also, Also, there's something dark about our culture. Let's be very clear about this. There's something dark in our culture that actually is against the rule of God. Jesus and Paul and the apostles called this the world. Most of the times you see the world. We, we wage our war uh, against principalities of the world. Paul is talking about something in our culture that is actually opposed to the rule of God. So be careful. Live wisely because this culture is against God. Our culture has a way of baiting us to the very edge. It, it invites you to the edge. Just come close. Just one more. Come a little closer. It's still okay. It's still fine. It's still early. It's, you haven't done nothing yet. Our culture baits us to the very edge. It lies to us with things like no one will know. It's your life. Do whatever you want. Just one more. God will forgive you. God will understand. How many have used that? God will understand. God, God will surely, un- oh wow, this is a holy church. Praise the Lord. God will surely understand. And the other one, it's not wrong really. It's not wrong. Our culture baits us to the very edge, one lie at a time. And then guess what? After you've crossed the line, our culture mocks you. When you've crossed the line, Culture will say to you, what a fool. How could you have done that? Didn't you ever go to school? Don't you watch the news these days? How could you have done that? When you lose your marriage, when you have an addiction to battle, when you lose your job, when your reputation is damaged badly, 
the same culture that baited you to the edge would go, what were you thinking, really? Right? Because it eliminates all our options. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is learning to ask the right questions about our decisions, answering ourselves very honestly, and then acting on it. We've gone through a series of four questions. It makes no difference if you don't ask them. It makes no difference if you ask them and lie to yourself. And it makes no difference if you tell yourself the truth and don't act on it anyway. Wisdom is learning to ask yourself right questions, answering them truthfully, and acting on them. So some of the questions, again, are you being honest with yourself? Really? Why are you really where you are? Why are you really not calling your parents? Why are you really dating her? Why are you really moving out? Why are you really moving in? Why did you really stop coming to church? Ask yourself the other question. Is this the, is this the story you want to tell of your life? Picture yourself as an old man and an old woman, and the people you treasure the most are sitting beside you. Is this a chapter you'll proudly open? Is there a tension about it that's demanding your attention? And today, ask yourself this. What is the wise thing for you to do? Because something can be not wrong yet unwise. And something can be okay for others and totally unwise for you. So here's something else Paul says. I have the right to do anything, you say. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 12. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. Just because something is okay doesn't make it beneficial. Now, just for fun, I need to tell you guys, at this point, Paul was teaching about sexual immorality uh, to a culture that, much like ours, had become very sexually permissive. Anything goes. With shouts like the ones that are very familiar to us, my body, my choice, it's my life, I live the way I want, live and die in Africa. No, sorry, that, that wasn't there. Yet the principle rings true across all, all of life. Just because something is permissible doesn't actually make it beneficial. Just because something is okay doesn't make it wise and may not be wise for you. So, as we finish this series, I invite you to ask this one more question, and actually in this fleshed out form. Stop asking the question of, is it wrong? That's a terrible question. That's not, that, it's neither here or there. Rather, ask yourself, is this wise for me to do? Rather, even better, ask yourself in the, uh, this question in this way. In light of my past, in light of my current situation and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? Here's the thing. You and I have very different pasts. Your past, there are things that have happened to you that predispose you to certain mistakes, certain addictions, certain pitfalls, certain uh, 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 blind spots that are different from me. So because of the past you've had, there are things that may be okay for me that are totally unwise for you. So in light of your past, what is the wise thing for you to do? If you've had a struggle with alcohol addiction before, then maybe hanging out at the bar all night isn't a wise thing for you to do. 
In light of your past, that's not a wise thing for you to do. It may be okay for some, but totally unwise for you. There are things in our families. I said before, our families are the, the biggest impact on our following of Jesus. There are things about our family that predispose us to certain blind spots. So in light of your family's reality, what is the wise thing for you to do? If you've ever been to counseling before, you've probably come across this. You start talking and then they ask you, mm, tell me about your mom. No, I'm not married to my mom. It's this woman that's a problem. No, tell me about your mom. So in light of your past, both your individual past and your family's past, there are things that may be okay, but totally unwise for you. In light of your present circumstances, life happens in seasons. It's only a fool who does not pay attention to the seasons. It's like being a farmer, seeing it rain, and, and not going out of the fields, and then hoping you'll find fruit the next season. Singlehood is a season, there it comes again. That one was in my notes, don't worry. It may be shorter for others, it may be longer for others, but, but that's a season. In light of your current season, some things may be okay for others, but they may, may be unwise for you. As a married person, some decisions that are not wrong for us singles might be totally unwise for you to do if you're really hoping to keep that marriage. You're a student, some decisions are okay for people who are not asking their parents for money, but they may be totally unwise for you to do. You're a new parent, some decisions that may be not wrong may be unwise for you. If you're over 40, Staying up past nine may be unwise for you. <laughs> amen? Someone said amen. <laughs> that's, that's how you miss church on Sunday morning. I'm just trying to help you. In light of your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for you to do? Do you hope to get married with a family that honors God? then some decisions may be okay for all your mates, but totally unwise for you. Do you hope to keep that marriage? Some decisions may be totally okay for those who don't care about that, but totally unwise for you to do. Do you want to be more and more like Jesus? Some decisions may be okay for the world, but they're not wise for you. In light of your past, experiences, your current circumstances, and your future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for you to do? Okay. I want to invite the band on stage. We'll still do our threes, and we'll make it a little quicker today so that I can release us. So let's sit in threes again and just talk about these two questions. Actually, let's sit in twos so that everyone gets an opportunity. Threes makes it bigger. In twos or threes, yes. <laughs> in twos or threes. So one of the things I want you to answer, what has been most impactful for you today, in, uh, for, for you in to, from today's talk, and two, in your current situation of season of life, how could you live your life more wisely? And then I'll come back up and release it.